A man of wealth who lives through bond. I seem to retain all these facts, but putting them to any useful purpose is another matter. Each the essence of the civilized man. Well, Charles, we're going on an impromptu adventure. You come too. Oh, all that money, never knowing what people value you for. I think your wife's pretty cute too. So, how are you planning to kill me? But when civilization disappears... Why do we even think they'll come looking for us? Our friend's a billionaire. You know what happens when you misplace one? All they have is each other to rely on. Most people lost in the wilds die of shame because they didn't do the one thing which would have saved their lives. Thinking. Their will to survive. <laughs> and the question... Why would I want to kill you, Charles? Why would I want to do that? For my wife. ...of where the greatest danger lies. You saved my life. No, I couldn't kill you with Stephen around. I'd have to kill him too, and he's the only one that knows how I like my coffee. What are we gonna do, Charles? What? Am I supposed to have a plan? Rich man. All anybody wants take something from you when they want it bad enough to kill you. You and my wife? I've seen you with her. 20th Century Fox presents Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins. You want to die out here, huh? Alec Baldwin. Money's folk. Sit up there, drinks and golf, but get you in an emergency. Right. And you bloom. You make me sick. I'm sure I do. Somewhere between the law of the wild and the nature of man lies the edge. I'm not gonna die. It's today. I'm gonna kill the mother. <laughs> Billionaires. You know what happens when you replace one? Um, I don't know. That's Par some preview. 
it's a, <laughs> it's a, oh, I gotta it's, say, it's a terrible it's a terrible trailer and not a bad movie i like i have to hand it to it it is a better movie than it has any right to be yeah, I, I quite enjoyed david mammoth's predator <laughs> essentially um yeah that that was i i mean can we that's who was that preview for and what movie was it for i mean like it, it, <laughs> like, like that does not first of all it it does a fantastic job of not really giving you a good idea what the movie is about but revealing almost every plot point at the same time yeah so that's great. I, it also aged horribly because first you see uh, Alec Baldwin. You see Alec Baldwin with the knife and he's sharpening the knife. And then you see Alec Baldwin with the spear. And then finally at the end of the trailer is the gun. You're like, yeah, this sounds yeah. like Alec Baldwin to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, out. Oh, it must be a warning, huh? <laughs> but this is Movie Night Extravaganza, as you must have uh, guessed from that new amazing intro that we have. Um you know, Conan Neutron singing without his secret friends, just solo going at it. Um, That's right. That's what it sounds like. Be warned. <laughs> <laughs> I am here with Jay Underworld. He's edging with the bear. Um, I think we mixed up the terms edging and soaking, by the way. I think soaking is the one where you where you jump on the bed. <laughs> I think edging is when you get right to the point where you're going to come and you stop. And I think that's because God... Um, you know, God, God only cares if you come. That's the only thing that. Yeah, well, that's in the Bible. I, I mean, it's a very um. That was after uh, Lot was in the cave with his daughters, and yeah, never mind. That's <laughs> nut three seven, right? That's what that one is. Uh, no, that actually is a real biblical story, uh, and I don't remember where it's from. Uh, I'd have to look it up. I'm sure it is. <laughs> there are a lot of stories in the Bible. Welcome yes. to my youth pastor. Yes. This is my youth, uh, my youth pastor phase. Youth yeah. pastor Forrest Miller over there. Yeah. He's, he's about to pull out his guitar. Yeah, exactly. Let us know about the wonders of Jesus. Give that big better you know who else was? You know who else was kind of lit? Jesus Christ. Let's talk about it. <laughs> fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. Um, also here with Conan, smarter than the Panther, Neutron. Right, uh, you know, protonic reversal, which is doing a crossover with movie night extravaganza on Thursday. Very excited about that. Spinal tap with uh, with it. We got a Devo, we got a Manor Astro Man, we have all kinds of surprises, and we are going uh, to whip it. We have to shape, <laughs> we're gonna shape. Force may do whippets on the show because he doesn't have to do all the hosting, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Who, who was it that uh, oh, uh, Gab told us that she was gonna do a bunch of whippets before we did our showgirls episode? She didn't do it, but. Nobody would have noticed the difference. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, going to be back. Uh, you know, got to do uh, a little bit of touring last week, and that was great. And now I'm talking about a movie with a bear in it. Cool. All right. And we have repeat guest, uh, Substack writer, who isn't Glenn Greenwald, um, <laughs> <laughs> RC Charlie Roberts. How's it going? It's disappointing. Like every day. At least I'm not Glenn Greenwald, though. You know, that's a that's a hold, hold that in your heart and keep it shiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! No. And what's great um, is he's probably going to hear that disc because you know he like ego searched for himself. So. Uh, of course yes. he does. Well, his 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 new thing today was um 
that uh that lives of TikTok account got um oh got got like uh exposed or whatever and he's yeah. now defending a homophobic and transphobic yeah. uh conservative Twitter user. Yeah, so he, he, he Greenwald. He's this much closer to fucking endorsing Bolsonaro and that's going to be the day yeah. that like <laughs> he makes his final break. Yeah, anyway, he, I don't want to talk about Glenn Greenwald yeah. on the show. I just you know I, <laughs> Well, I all, all, all I was going to say is he is probably going to hear it and then he's going <laughs> to send me a death threat and like crayon or something. He gets a he gets a notification in his mind whenever someone mentions him on a podcast. Like <laughs> he's got a cybernetic implant, but just for uh, ego surfing. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the edge. Um, Good I to have you back, about... man. Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming on. Good to have you back, Trey. Yeah, yes, no, yes. Pro- no problem. Um, I would also like to say um, I'm going to be a writer for the new Sublation uh, magazine that'll be launching on May first. Got to oh, cool. throw that in there, so you know. I might, I might be doing some uh, film reviews for them yeah, too. See? There you go. But, well, I can't, I can't put two words together without, uh, <laughs> without fucking it up. So let's see what happens. <laughs> he's got to take an index card, put a little glitter glue on there, but like he's like, two, words, two words. This is two this words, is good, right? It's short stories. What? What do you want from me? <laughs> I'm gonna do the dictate thing where I just talk my review into like a, <laughs> into an app, and it's just gonna write it out for me, and they're gonna be like, "This sucks." I'm like, oh, it's, the, it's the it's the dictate app. It's not me. It was done by technology. The robots helped me. All right, Forrest. It's not me you're mad at. It's technology. Um, isn't it always though? So I wanted to play uh, to start this conversation off. Our old friend Bobby Winant, um, interviewing uh, Anthony Hopkins, and really just you know being excited that there was a bear in this movie. Um, classic Bobby. Classic. Uh, <laughs> Classic Bobby content, and we haven't had any Bobby content in a little bit. So no, no, we need it. <clears throat> it's about time. I watched you in the freezing water and fighting the bear. And let let us say that this is a real bear. Oh yeah. I mean, this is not some stunt guy dressed in a yeah. bear suit. Yes, he's a real bear, fifteen hundred pound killer. Um, he was also in Legends of the Fall with Brad. Oh, so you're old friends. Two old friends. Shaking paws. <laughs> friendship. He's a big animal and he's a killer. He'll kill you if you get in his way. Um, but he's been brilliantly trained by Doug Seuss and treated with great love and affection and respect. Um, How close? What, what's the closest you ever had to well, be? From where we're sitting now. Tony, didn't your mother ever tell you that <laughs> bears bite? They do. They, uh, they, we, we were... Relatively safe, I think. You know, we, I don't think anyone is going to be foolish enough to risk anyone's life on set. You know, whoever they they are. Um, but does the bear know that? Well, the bear, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't get involved in all that. But it was it was an exciting film to do. I don't know which I would hate more: the freezing water or the bear scenes. I think the freezing water was worse. The bear, you can. Freezing water was the worst, and uh, the snow and the ice and. Uh, all that and the trudging up and down the sides of mountains, but you know that they pay us to do, so it wasn't that tough. And um, my my joke every day is, as long as the checks in the post, that's all that matters. <laughs> and now we know why they pay people so much money to do yeah. these things. Um, I'm with him on that that ice cold water thing. I remember in college, um, we, the the lake that my college was near. Uh, the ice had just melted 
and my class went down there to draw at the uh, the lake, and I decided to jump in it, which was not such a good idea because as soon as I hit the water, um, I expelled all my air, which is something that happens whenever you hit freezing water, apparently. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> You, uh, you kind of get the wind knocked out of you almost, you know? Yeah, like, and it was a struggle to get back up to the surface to, to be able to breathe. Uh, um, me being stupid almost killed me, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had some uh, misadventures with freezing water as a kid, so, you know, I know that I know that feeling. I would always go too close to the water's edge or something and step on the ice, and then the ice would crack. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that it's – it didn't seem like she knew that it was like a trained bear, which is kind of funny. Yeah, so you just randomly ran into a bear while you were making a movie, and then then what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was a, it's a stalker of mine. He showed up. Uh, he showed up on set of Legends of the Fall, so we put him in the film, and um, he was surrounded for this one. <laughs> They're bearing. Yeah. Well, which I mean, uh, you know, if you check his IMDb, the bear was also in uh, K- uh, Clan of the Cave Bear. You know, the the uh, classic. I mean, it's, I believe it's Bart the Bear, right? Is, is, Bart, is, Bart, yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Bart the Bear is quite beloved on the internet, uh, and yeah, has has a fan club. To be um, sure, sadly passed away at age twenty three in the year two thousand. So you know, R.I.P. R.I.P. to a legend. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that but, old for? Uh, I mean, is that like how long bears live? Or I thought they looked a little longer than that. Look, but look, look. Uh, when you're a big star in Hollywood, you live fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cancer was the fast. Day, so you know. Oh, can- <laughs> I was gonna say Bart the Bear found with like a bunch of heroin in a fucking hotel room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, well, he, uh, he was watching Legend of the Fall. Just yeah, <laughs> join like, the uh, on screen on repeat. Join the Twenty Seven Club, uh, Bart the Bear. <laughs> Uh, by the way, classic Bobby uh, bit. Uh, speaking of those those that rule, those that are that follow their own their, their own agenda. Let's just say uh, classic Bobby there. Just just Anthony Hopkins like I can't believe that I'm doing this right now, and it's just handling it with like absolute professionalism. As, as Bobby is like, I I wouldn't want to fight a bear. I don't know about you. I probably wouldn't want to do that. It's oh yeah, opposite, yeah, really, Bobby? Okay. Yeah. The opposite of going on Joe Rogan, where Joe Rogan's <laughs> like, I could totally fight a bear, bro, bro. I could with a bear, and I would fuck that bear. I, up. I, I have bear meat in my fridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you ever had bear meat? <laughs> ever tried DMT? Uh, Did the bear do DMT? Did you do DMT with the bear? Was that bear trained? I bet that thing was fucking huge, right? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of supplements does that bear take? <laughs> We got Bear Claw. Uh, That's our new sponsor. Bear Claw supplements. It'll get you to right. get you bulked up like a bear. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We'd like to welcome our new sponsor. Uh, yeah. The uh, you know this this is gonna would have been an interesting movie to do a press tour. I think because uh, again, but again, it's kind of fascinating when I was thinking about when I was desperately trying to do the promotion for the show and not mention the word edging, I was like, I was like, Oh, it's a movie with the bear. Wait, no, not that one. No, no, not that one either. It's it's, but it's, I feel like there have been more bear related films in the past few years than, than maybe there have been uh, in a while. I mean, certainly there's bear related contact BJ and the bear, for instance, um, you know, about a bear and his blowjob and also other movies that, uh, you know, animated and whatnot. But as far as the man versus wilderness classic, of course, would be uh, grizzly man. And uh, I guess the revenant, some people like that movie yeah. as well. Um, this is sort of like uh, on the outer edge of the pantheon, right? Like uh, I, I really wasn't that familiar with this movie until, Charlie suggested it. And I was like, oh, this seems interesting. I also did not know it was written it was written by David Mamet, right? 
This is uh, written by David yeah. Mamet. Yeah. And then once yeah. I knew it, I'm like, ugh. Of course it was. Of of <laughs> course it was written by David Mamet. And look, I say that as a fan, especially for his hard turn to like neocon territory in, in the Bush administration. But I mean, the man's got a good writer, but his ideal actor and actress, I mean, is Rebecca Pigeon, right? Just stand there and like deliver the lines. So it's interesting that Anthony Hopkins, who's very good at, you know, delivering the lines, but also is very much an actor and does a lot of acting in this film. Uh, but, you know, Alec Baldwin as well, who I think he'd, uh, at this point, this is, this is post Glenn Gary. So he'd worked with him at least briefly on the iconic scene that he's in for maybe like five minutes up there with like the network Ned Beatty scene of just like, holy crap. Like people just only think of that scene with that movie. Um, and he had like a sort of a cadre of dudes. Let's be clear, mostly dudes and Rebecca Pigeon that, that he worked with that all were like great actors that, that did stuff. And I think... Look, I'm not watching these shows he's on or like, I don't care about his political opinions, but the man could write. The man's a good writer. And I think when people try to retcon writers that like have that sort of conservative bent as, oh, well, they were never any good. It's like, no, they have a specific, <laughs> they have a specific set of skills. If, I, if we Liam Neeson this conversation. There, there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, yeah, I was going to say the, um, uh, if you put their brain in fMRI, uh, there would be just one specific part of that brain that lights up while everything else is dead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're fantastic at the thing. And you want them like, hey, why don't you just do that thing and not opine about things that you, like nobody wants to hear about you from? Hey, listen, but... come in this box. We'll, we'll, we'll have you come out when we need you to write something. We need a new we need a new movie either about the wilderness or you know uh like real estate or just something something you know this this niche thing. Please don't mention politics in this movie. Yeah, just whatever you do is please don't mention the wokes. Don't like here, we don't we don't need it. We don't here, need here, it. Here, here's a shock collar, you know, in case you just defy <laughs> us. You'd be like, well, I think because no, no. Ronan's an international crime caper with like um you know, uh, intrigue and stuff like that does not mention once anything about politics. My uh, my my joke about David Mamet though that I came up with the other day is more like Glenn Gary, Glenn Greenwald. Uh, <laughs> uh, Greenwald's gonna yeah, well. watch this twice. <laughs> no, <laughs> second reference, second reference of the night. So. Yeah, you keep yeah. bringing him up, bro. So you know, whatever happens, it's on you. <laughs> but I mean, but there, there is like you know, feed movie night extravaganza. Uh, <laughs> Featuring, 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 Glenn, <laughs> featuring Glenn Greenwald. It, look, it's one, it's one way to build an audience. All right. Um, but yeah, you know, Ron in the chats, right? I mean, you know, the, you know, this movie's no heist, which I quite like. I think it's like an, an, a, a wild, underrated movie, and one of the, one of the better movies. I, I don't think I've seen heist since it came out, which is a, which is a shame because I remember liking yeah. it. Uh, Gene Hackman, Delroy Linda, of course, Rebecca yeah. Pigeon's in it. <laughs> oh, Rebecca Pigeon's in this film? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, like, they're good, man. Like, it, it, it's just, it's a certain kind of thing. That's it. That's it. And it's, th there is doodliness all over this. It is classic mammoth in its way, but it's also, uh, you know, it's in, it's a wilderness survival thing. And they're, 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 there's deeper things than just that. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I think that they're, um, well, number one, I think uh, Anthony Hopkins goes through some really amazing character slash like personality, I guess, transformation throughout this, right? Because, you know, his original thing is he's kind of um, some kind of egghead 
egghead billionaire that's, you know, kind of just made their bones by, uh, you know, made billions of dollars. I, they don't even say at any point what, like, what he's really invested in or invented. Like, they, they leave right. that up to you to decide. It's immaterial. It's, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not yeah. important. The only thing you need to know is that he's like Rain Man with information. Like, yeah, oh, right. yeah, definitely, definitely put yeah. uh, gunpowder on uh, meat. Right. I, I was going to, I was going to say, yeah, he, he's, he's a very, his character starts out very alienated. Um, yeah, and almost very... like almost kind of like autistic in a way, like you know the way that he kind of throws this because it doesn't seem like he can connect with people that well, um, like socially, right? Like, right. He kind of is just in the background and like you know as like an older British billionaire guy, like I guess it's probably interesting to have him around, but like he kind of just like throws facts out there without any real context to the conversation like right. all of a sudden he'll be like oh uh did you know that this is this and then it's like yeah all right he has, yeah. a, un he has a unique <laughs> worldview and it's served him well in some manner of business but he doesn't have a lot of close <laughs> right. friendships really right. and, and that's one of the things that's so troubling about you know his relationship with mickey too is that like that is a close relationship for him and that it's you know very much a defining thing for him and uh, you know I, I guess we don't have to worry about spoiler alerting a movie that's 1997 is this when this came out <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1997 but yeah I mean that that makes that particular betrayal hurt uh -huh. all the more when you've like have the stakes of like you know him being the one pushing like survival and moving forward and and honestly him kind of coming into his own from like all of like these random factoids and and uh, scenarios and things that fly around in his mind and just being like the only guy of any use practically uh, right yeah what what i what i really liked about it was it's an interesting take on a character wanting friendship to the point that a guy can point a gun at you and be like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, you yeah. know. And then he he helps them anyway. Yeah. You know, there there's the the dubious, you know, underside to their their uh, relationship the whole time, because the only reason, um, God, what's Alec Baldwin's character's name? Bob. Yeah, um, his name's Bob. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> it's always it's always fun listening to Anthony Hopkins say Bob, but <laughs> not um, as fun as listen, Not as fun. Uh, that's fun. Not as fun to listen to. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Say, yeah, say Charles, 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 Charles by the end of it. Like a 70,000 <laughs> 70, yeah. times. In the well, yeah, so. and yeah. I, I do think it was excessive, but I do think it was meant to convey that like an impersonal, you know, you know, he called yeah. him Charles. But, also, I mean, there's also like kind of a disgust in his voice a lot of the time. Yes. And uh, it like it says yeah. a lot about the relationship between the two characters, yeah. but it's yeah, also there's... every single time. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, it is excessive. Um, and yeah, and there's a subtle sense of him mocking and be like, What do you think about this, Charles? And it's like, It's like, I, I think you're not going to make it to the end of the movie, <laughs> yeah, 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 precisely. Well, that's but and, and there is that kind of slight, like ever so slight edge of contempt that uh, mm -hmm. is in his voice about all of it that comes from a place, obviously, to some degree of, of jealousy and right. uh you know and, and like the cl classic mammoth sort of like dudes vying for dominance right kind of thing also which is a thing that i mean he not only does in his writing i'm sure he does in his real life as well but like also kind of like haha but i'm kidding but i'm also not we're actually <laughs> vying for dominance right okay, yeah get it. no we get it yeah we understand thank right. you 
I, I, I mean, did, you know, in most, in most, uh, I guess at first, uh, rears its head when they're in the plane and he's like, what do you like? How are you going to kill me? And then all of a sudden they hit the, uh, the, a bunch of birds, right? The blood starts going everywhere. And it's almost like he kind of willed this, uh, this adventure into existence in some right. way. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, one thing I do like about Hopkins character though, um, compared to most movies about the wilderness and the main characters is I do enjoy that there's an emphasis for him on thinking like that, that yeah. line where he talked about most people die of shame because they don't do the one thing thinking, um, which I appreciated. Um, I was surprised that none of you had seen this. I was expecting to bring this up and have you guys be like, yeah, we've already seen that. And I think it's awful. Why did you bring this up? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I might have seen it and completely forgot about it because yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes I don't even really watch movies. Like, I'll just have them on. So, right. so like, uh, I remember, like, like for a while in the 90s, I'd just go to the library. And um, we had somebody in uh, the academy who would donate all their videos, uh, like, as soon as they got them to the library. So, like, movies would still be in the theater. i go to the library and get, like, a... a really nice quality VHS copy of it. And, uh, and, and like, it's a, this is for Academy use only scrolled across the bottom. Doing, um, some, doing some, doing some reading over there, Andy, Andy, <laughs> Andy, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be like drawing or playing a game or just whatever, but like, it's just on in the background. So there, there was a possibility. I did watch this in the nineties, but right. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say the first few times I watched this was actually, uh, I had like, they I say had, my name a thousand times. This is yes. the best movie ever. Well, well, that, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, hearing somebody saying Charles all the time, I was like, talking to me? No. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, the, the first few times I watched this, I had actually lied to my mom and said I was sick. And so she, she we, were, we were watching that. It came on TV. We didn't own it or anything. So that's the first time I watched it. And I guess it was a good association. I mean, I was drinking Sprite. You know, I had yeah. successfully deceived my parents. I was having a good day. The first of many successful deceptions. Yes. There you go. And then, you, and then you watched, and then you watched a movie, and you're like, "I'm a guy that likes to think." And I'm a guy who likes to very think. Very pro right. thinking. David. Oh, you Mamet. like thinking too? Oh, <laughs> David Mamet doesn't seem very uh, pro thinking, but I'm, right. I'm, you know, I'm happy that he wrote this movie where the character is. <laughs> well, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> So, uh, so first of all, I, I I missed this movie as I missed a lot of movies in the late '90s because that's uh, when when I moved to Oakland and I just got real busy. I started playing music, not really well, but uh, didn't Probably have busy days too, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Uh, the uh, my until my best friend Clay started working at uh, Tower. I worked at Tower Records. He worked at Tower Video, and then then the wow. movie watching. Yeah, exactly. The movie watching went way up afterwards, but this kind of fell in that um, kind of dead zone, if you will, uh, between the two. And I, if I would known David Mamet was involved, I probably would have sought it out because I love Anthony Hopkins. I, I still love Silence of the Lambs. I actually, I know, like, look, there's a whole podcast and a half about it. I'm sure, but like, I like Alec Baldwin. Um, I'm not going to go to war for Alec Baldwin, but I enjoy mm. his acting more often than not. Yeah. Uh, and and, and he's talented. 
Yeah, and and like I went through a, a period where I I certainly you know never donned the fedora or anything, but I, you know I read some John Fonte and Celine and and uh, ex explored <laughs> explored all of the different tropes in City, you know, all, and, and you know I never lost myself to it as some do, but I would have definitely sought this out. Also, it's like it's it's freaking these guys get lost in like the Arctic wilderness and like a bear is hunting them. I would be like, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do yeah. it. But but yeah. I, even if I honestly, even if we had seen that preview, I would have been like, I don't know, what is that? What is that movie? Right. Like all, all it really establishes is that Alec Baldwin wants to fuck Al McPherson. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> which I'm like, join the club, dude. We get it. Like, <laughs> which kind of in this movie, I mean, from the very, very first time he's trying to be vulgar, guy, right? But... <laughs> like the, the first, well, the first line really in the movie, that guy's like, oh, you know, she looks really good over there, doesn't she? And then he's like, I mean, the plane. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, uh, yeah. Classic. Right. Oh, my yeah. God. It's just like, yeah. all right, we get it. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> and then also, the and, and then they mentioned the bird strike. Like, that is like, that's some Chekhov's gun foreshadowing, like, big time. And it's like, oh, yeah. I wonder why you're mentioning that. What's this movie about again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, the second I saw that line, uh, my okay, first comment right. was like, was like, all right, so they're gonna hit a, hit a bunch of birds with that plane. Yeah, yeah. So when, yeah. when they hit the birds, what do you think it's gonna look like? Yeah. <laughs> but then I don't. But see, and and I'll, I'll play. Um, I found a really interesting thing where they, uh, it's like five minutes, but they actually show you how they did the plane crash, and it's actually fast. It looked amazing. I yeah, mean, no. it, it looked fantastic. Um, I mean, absolutely. But but like, you don't expect it to be as like brutally. Uh, I guess bloody and gore, like grotesque, kind yeah. of as it is. Right. Oh yeah, I mean the gore in the engine right. was just amazing, right? Like, like so, so the the foreshadowing that's like really on the nose, kind of you're still like, oh fuck, oh shit, oh fuck, because like yeah. you know the window breaks, the birds like start breaking the window. I was thinking about how the first uh, episode that Charlie came on for was the birds, so that, <laughs> so oh. that really cracked me up. Oh, interesting. It all makes sense now, it's full circle. No. Um, I was gonna say just this real is quick. This gonna be the last show since we've gone full circle. So uh, congratulations. The only, the only, uh, <laughs> the only, the only, I'm, I'm the character getting killed off. The only episodes off. we have, um, <laughs> the only episodes we have Ravana on for are ones where people are sleeping and there's something to do with like a dream. It's weird. Oh, and yeah. the only episodes that we have uh, Charlie on for are ones where birds, <laughs> birds fuck things up. Does, does Devil's Advocate <laughs> have birds in it? No, I'm kidding. Um, um, I was oh, gonna Debbie's say next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to, God damn it. I, I was going to say that. Um, so when I watch a movie, I don't usually go into all the, the background stuff. For example, you mentioning who the director is, is definitely news to me, even though I've watched this movie about a billion times. So um, I will say I did read somewhere and you'll have to substantiate this. I don't remember exactly where I read it, but Alec Baldwin was. Fact checkers on it. <laughs> right. There you go. Um, Alec Baldwin hey, was hey, complaining. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. You're out of order. <laughs> All these birds are out of order. I knew, I knew, I knew there was a scent of a woman here somewhere. Um, Great ass. Bird. No, but, but uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, I believe, complained about the way that this movie was um, uh, advertised, and he also said that there were parts of it that were taken out that should have yeah. stayed in that that were really good. And I, I don't remember exactly where I read that, but. Apparently, there's a lot of complaining from uh, the man who likes to hold guns. <laughs> you guys, um, you guys are showing. Facts. You guys are you... showing in the trailer that I'm holding a gun. What if one day I'm holding a gun and I shoot somebody? And, <laughs> and, 
and then the trailer ages really badly. I don't, I don't want that. Take that out of the trailer. <laughs> so the director of this movie, Lee T- uh, Tema, uh, Temahori, I think is how you say his name. I probably just yeah. mentioned it. Um, the thing he directed right after this was an episode of The Sopranos. Oh, really? I yeah. Um, Toodle fucking go. Uh, ooh. Oh, that's right. a good episode of The Sopranos. That's the one where uh, the the fucking therapist uh, is like Toodaloo, and then and then she's going to her therapist, who's played yeah. by um, yeah, uh, Peter anyway. Bogdanovich. Yeah, Peter Bogdanovich. R.I.P. to a legend, by the way. R.I.P. to a legend, um, indeed. Yeah, but this, and, this, and this, then this, he uh, went on to do uh, XXX State of the Union. <laughs> That's quite the pivot. Uh, okay. I was gonna. I was gonna say it was a step up, and then it was a tumble down the stairs, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Fall from grace. Yeah, grabbing onto the railing, trying to stop himself. <laughs> so this is um, the uh, the plane crash uh, thing. It's like five minutes, but I, I found it kind of fascinating. And I was watching it the other night, and because um, they actually have to do it twice, and like they didn't like the way that the plane crashed the first time, so they had to rig the plane up. Holy, a second time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. No, no, no. Like do it over again. Do it over. That's insane, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's freaking wild. And his head rigger, Perry Beckham, have designed a cable system that will control the plane's descent speed and point of impact. We want to create a crash where the people apparently have survived this thing, but there's enough of a, of a disaster at the bottom for it to be a dramatic event. The plane will be suspended from a specially built carriage called a skate. It runs on two 1,200-foot lines made from a lightweight synthetic cable called Spectron. The lines span the lake from the top of the 425-foot cliff down to the shore. The top of the rig is securely anchored directly into solid rock. Working at these heights, crew members must rely on their safety ropes, as any slip-up could prove fatal. At the bottom, the rig is held down by a sled loaded with 160,000 pounds of concrete blocks. The plane's descent will be controlled by a logging crane called a grapple yarder. Its winch will provide the brakes. Before attaching the plane, the rig is tested several times using barrels of water that weigh approximately the same as the aircraft. Okay, and three, two, one, go! During each test, the crew monitors the amount of stress on the lines using special tension meters. A digital readout shows the pound force absorbed by the rig on each run. Readout was 14.50 on the Dynafor, 14.50. Very well. Satisfied with the performance of the rig, Vazina gives the go-ahead to shoot with the plane tomorrow. In the early days, filming in the mountains wasn't possible, so pioneers like George Melier used both miniature and full-size sets to simulate the great outdoors in his 1904 film, The Impossible Voyage. Unlike Melier, Tamahori can shoot his plane crash in this rugged location, thanks to the aerial rigging team. At 5 o'clock in the morning, the crew returns to prep the plane for its brief flight. Mannequins are placed inside the cockpit to sit in for the actors. 
The plane is loaded onto a transport boat and brought out to the rig where it's attached to the cables. The wings and pontoon are pre-cut or scored to make sure they tear off cleanly. That's it. We got it. Once it's secured to the rig, the crew clears the area in preparation for the big moment. But before any action takes place, a safety meeting is held to outline procedures for the crash. Now, in terms of safety, the area which is the most dangerous is 150 foot either side of the bollards holding the lines to the plane. With the set locked down, the time has arrived. Six cameras are in position to photograph the event. If everyone can stay here now, that would be wonderful. Vizina calls for the plane to be raised to its starting position, 425 feet above the lake. Action, action. After looking at the playback of all the angles, the director is not satisfied. He wants a bigger impact. They will film the crash one more time. The first crash was great, but we were overcautious. We thought the plane would hit the water and flip right over the top of the camera. But it didn't have enough momentum to do that. Now, Vazina's challenge is to reconstruct the plane, which is in pieces at the bottom of the lake. The pressure is on. Due to the film's tight schedule, the crew has only one day to repair the plane for the next take. We're going to send a couple divers down with lift bags. We'll float it to the top, tow them to shore with the boat, and then take a crane to reassemble it on shore. Vizina surveys the damage to see what they're up against. Yeah, no, I think we're in good shape. The crew works around the clock. Come the morning of its second departure, they're busy with cosmetic finishing touches. This time, the director is asking for a more intense crash. We're going to give them all the speed that, uh, that Newton's law will allow, and we're simply going to release the plane on the carriage and, and let it come down at, at, at full speed to the bottom. So I think it's going to be a far more dramatic event than we saw in the first one. Holding nothing back on the crash means that this will be the plane's final flight. Stand by, here we go, and roll, camera, action. This take was just what the director wanted with the plane being twisted and torn apart by its swan dive. Wow, that is two things. A, that's legit fascinating. B, I want that guy's job of just explaining what's happening on the screen for like <laughs> actual effects, because that seems like an awesome job. Imagine, though, if that like didn't go well the second time and the director yeah, like, there to get oh. another plane. Like, <laughs> My bad, y'all. Can somebody give me a plane? We got those, right? <laughs> What's this extra spending in the budget? Oh, we needed about four planes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. He just wasn't happy with any of these crashes. He's like, you know, that <laughs> that crash was too rough. This crash, 
uh, wasn't rough enough. We need we need something in the middle here. Yeah, it's like Goldilocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that crash was just right. Exactly. Where, no, where's my porridge? I mean, it's interesting what gets uploaded, I guess, to YouTube um, as like, you know. You could have stopped uh, that sentence right there and I would have been oh. with you. Like, it is <laughs> yeah. interesting if it gets uploaded No, but so, so they, they uploaded like the DVD extras and I have some of those where they kind of interviewed the cast or whatever. But there isn't a lot of uh, the press stuff for this. But the company that did the rigging and they also have a clip about rigging the bridge um, when, you know, when uh, Anthony Hopkins falls off that waterfall. Um the the company kind of was using this movie to really advertise their rigging business um so it, it's interesting you, you can see every part of the the movie where they rig stuff um on youtube but like the press tour and stuff has been like lost to time it feels like and david mamet only does interviews now about how he left the left so there you go <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about it oh god <laughs> Well, you Almost just as you can't as... find him actually talking about his work is the thing. Like you, you can only really find him now on podcasts yeah. being like, one time I met someone and I was like, and I was like, Hey, what Democrat are you voting for? And they're like, not a Democrat. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> which was his story. Cause I watched one of the interviews he did with, I, I it might've been. You David. got it in. Yes. You, you did it anyway. You got it in. We talk, we're talking about it now. Congratulations. Yeah. You were um, gonna I, do it anyway, and here yeah. it is. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna follow it up and be like, oh yeah, that was a that was a that was a short uh, that's a short movie with uh, made with Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, was, I think yeah, I think Mamage. I was gonna say, I think Mamage. This is one of those guys that like those people like to have him on because it gives them some degree of credibility. Because people are like, oh, I know that guy. Where do I know that guy from? Yeah, and like maybe they don't. Maybe they know Glengarry Glen Ross. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're big State of Maine fans. Who knows? But like. It's the glasses. It confuses the conservatives. They're like, he must be smart. Oh, it's that guy. He's got glasses. glasses. He has bad eyesight. He must know things. He hates the world. Like a football player. He talks like a football player that's had a few too many, uh, you know, tackles. But he's wearing glasses, so <laughs> so many so tackles, Mister Bulls. I, I don't think I, it's a kind of. Do you remember when every everybody, all these right wing grifters, uh, had to decide that they like Ariel Pink's music? Do you remember this? Because he was apparently Ariel Pink was part of the the January sixth insurrection. I don't even and know who like, Ariel Pink is. Well, that's good. Ariel Pink's terrible. There's no there's <laughs> no reason you should know Ariel Pink is. But Ariel Pink's like like one uh one circle out of like a friend group of mine, and I was like, this is fucking garbage. Why do people like this? But because it, uh, apparently somehow got uh wrapped up in this like stop the steel business and whatnot like all of these like and then people found out about him freaked like and that guy this guy does have fans that all of these like right-wing talkers had to pretend they gave a damn about his like really like bizarre esoteric music it was a very bizarre <laughs> week like it was like they they were trying so hard to like stand for it and and, and was like no this is you're you're not selling this but the thing I, is yeah. they're not gonna do the 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 effort you know to actually listen right. to it right but it was, I, was it was, say, I, I thought it was funny when Andy's like, I've never heard of them. And Coden's like, congratulations. That's <laughs> trash. Well, there trash was a, there was a time period where, you know, like the New Yorker sometimes tries to get like conservative credibility by like, you know, they'll go hang out with like a, a celebrity that's like vaguely conservative for yeah. like a, a night or something. So they did that with Ariel Pink. And he ended up like taking this this girl that was writing the article about it. It's like a bar, and he was just like complaining about the music the whole time. And she's like, you know, this this guy is really uh, this guy is really just kind of a, a regular guy that just likes to complain a lot. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's just like, like me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like that's kind of what these people are most of the time. It's like some, you know, they, they see like an in with like, you know, conservative tweets or whatever. They do a bunch of them, but it's like, they're really just someone who's like edgy and just yeah. bitching about stuff. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like a cat following a laser pointer. <laughs> this is like, incredible. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Charlie. Oh no, that's it. That's the end of the metaphor. Yeah, that's it. That was a bad <laughs> it, it was it was the lilies that that he was in from Washington D.C., which actually were pretty good. But I, I happened to to just look that up because I was curious. Um, people also ask, "Is Ariel Pink for real?" Is the first result, which is amazing, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> is Ariel Pink for real? Is an incredible thing to when you when you search someone's name. Is so and so for real? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Sadly, yes. All right. Anyway, that's enough about it. Let's stop giving yeah. that guy and Glenn Greenwood. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> I said his name again. It's Beetlejuice rules. He's going to show yeah. up now. Conan, I really, I don't like. <laughs> I'm going to intercept this conversation. <laughs> no. No. All of a sudden, his window just pops open. Like, Forrest is like, I didn't do that. Forrest, why don't you like freedom of speech? No. <laughs> Typical leftist dialogue. Don't you know freedom is spelled with one E? God, liberals. <laughs> um, anyway, back to tonight's movie. But yeah, yeah. I, I just think I, I think the rigging thing is is kind of fascinating, and the fact they had to do it a second just time. Just like the election rigged. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Stop the. No, theater. I was actually watching that crash, thinking about like how they did it. So, so I was really glad mm -hmm. you found that. Yeah, I, I mean. All seriousness, that that is a cool clip because those are some great practical effects. Like, and you know, if this movie was done today, it would be CGI. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and that's like, yeah. it would including look the bear, including this exactly. would not work. <laughs> including this the movie bear. would not yeah. work with the CGI bear or a guy wearing a bear, bear costume. Suits. Well, yeah, and I mean, you not. also you also know that if it was made today, Anthony Hopkins would have gone from. You know, talking about thinking to like all of a sudden being real buff and being like, "All right, let's kill this bear," and like you know, <laughs> made yeah, a, I did you this know, in two days. Instead like, of um, he's yeah, gonna rip off his shirt and be groundskeeper Willie in The Simpsons, and you know, like, whoa. <laughs> also, yeah, it, also it, the today version of this, uh, Alec Baldwin would be looking for the perfect Instagram post. They really don't. They really don't make Instagram posts like they used to. <laughs> you know how many followers I could get with these mountains? <laughs> Let me hang, hang still, hang still. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Instagram this bear. Like the bear's coming at you. I'm gonna Instagram this bear. <laughs> Alec Baldwin dies in the first twenty minutes in the uh... dying for art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so uh, did anybody else uh, like as soon as they got the black guy on the plane knew he was gonna die? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah, I, I had my suspicions. Well, that's uh, what. Ha uh, how do you say his name? Harold Perrineau. He's been in a ton of stuff. That guy yeah, was, in, and he's uh, he's great too. I, yeah, I he is. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, in Oz. He uh, Constantine. Did, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he had he, for like that late nineties, early two thousands. That dude was all over the place. He was in the the Matrix sequels, which I didn't care for, uh, but a lot of other people did. He was in all kinds of stuff, and like then just like what happened? He like just like disappeared. He was in um. Uh, uh, lost, right? He was he was in that he was that show before it completely just like freaking jumped the shark and then like went through time to jump the shark again. But uh, I, what if I mean, they were I, dead the whole time? That is so. That is look that TV show, which I still think the first season of that is one of the best seasons of television that ever has been. But that is a perfect example of having a story and not knowing how it ends, and then having all the pressure and then blowing it. 
and yeah. it, it's uh, yes. it, they should like I said, but the way I said that they should have ended lost, they should have like had the island, and then you you pull back from the island, you see like you know larger and larger focus as as you go back, and it's just the shape of a middle finger pointed right at the audience because that's how <laughs> I feel about it. Thank you. That's my thoughts on Lost. This is uh, my yeah. group, dog. We're never getting off this island. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like that, I mean, like uh, that guy was like all over the place, right? And then like he just was like nowhere to be found, or like I guess he's still been in stuff. No, he's but, in a uh, lot of stuff. It's just nothing we watch, like Claws or um, uh, is that Star another bear movie? The Rookie. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, you know, like, like lots of TV shows. Uh, he's in From right now. I don't know. I've never okay. heard of this show. From. But like, like he's just going like from David TV From. Show David TV From show. has a has a TV show now. Oh no, no, that ain't no. <laughs> Fuck. No, he's actually starring in it. It's on FX. You know, good for him. Uh, awesome. That's great. I mean, yeah, like, wasn't he in that that horrible biker show, uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy? He was in that yeah. for a while. Uh, just, just like freaking brain damage the tv show but i mean yeah but he, he's like that's a, that's a working he's a good actor uh but yeah. he definitely it was like it was like oh there's a black dude and he's going to die early for sure yeah yeah i was say what's well, also because harold harold perinu perinow perinu alec baldwin and not anthony hopkins right i was gonna say and as soon as you yeah. saw yeah. yeah. Look, it's like, hey, Spock and Kirk and and Ensign, you know, Jones all beam down to yeah. the planet. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, he, he might as well be wearing a red shirt. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Well, it was certainly right after the bear got him. <laughs> also, also, I mean, I think this is a, a trope in in pretty much everything with the pilot. The pilot dies. Like first, like the pilot's the first one to die because obviously they're like, we're going to make sure that like everybody knows that they're not getting out of this by somehow like fixing the plane. Like the right. pilot has to die. I mean like hatchet that, you know, is, is that famous, uh, famous book that's kind of similar to this where the plane goes down because the pilot has a heart attack or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I never had any thoughts. I were going to be able to fix that plane. Once I saw it hit the water. I'm like, yeah. Well, I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> But they, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying like that's a, that's a trope I think in a lot in all of these wilderness. It, it is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing I thought, and this is good attention to detail. I don't know if this is in the script or not. Um, the Anthony Hopkins character is reading that book or absorbing the knowledge of the book. He's he's, he's like an, um, uh, you know like autodidactic all that way, yeah. right? Savant. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but the you get to like a, a kind of interesting shot of like oh, and here's the book going down with yeah. the plane. Yeah. Well. And yeah. I thought that was, first of all, very kind of well shot, because who thinks about like, hey, you know, hey, hey, you know what we're doing? Let's get underwater and get this book going down. Because it wasn't like it was like key to like a larger plot point, but it's sort of like, oh, they're like, Alec Baldwin won't be able to like look at the book and figure things out. Right. Like, it's only this guy that like looks at it once and knows it for forever that is going to is going to know this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I thought that was actually a cool scene. And you just saw the like, um, like, how are you planning to kill me? Uh, scene happen. So you're right. kind of right. realizing that they like need each other now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I thought I, that I, was well done and, and very mammoth but well done. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I was going to say, it, they definitely kind of create Bob as a character who takes shortcuts. And if there was no. the book, yeah, he would have used it to try to help himself. Yeah. 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 Unabashedly. And he wouldn't have like thought twice about it. And, right. and, I think it's nice to have that sort of 
it's like it's like the dungeon master is like cutting off the area of, of of cheating that they know that like you know their annoying player is going to do of which alec Baldwin will be the annoying player right yeah no no magic <laughs> exactly like you got to five obstructions this you shit. can't teleport no. i'm sorry yeah exactly You're my magic missiles yeah <laughs> a hawk came down and grabbed your magic bag <laughs> and like flew away like deal with this you're stranded uh, but I think that, like, you know, it's fascinating that how how they unveil it. Like, I still was sort of like, he wanted to get a picture of the guy. Like, uh, it was like, oh, this guy. Yeah, let's go visit this dude. Like, it, uh, all right. That's right. But, but it seems like it, it didn't seem like it was out of character for that fellow. It seems like he's probably gone to, like, great lengths for smaller rewards, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it sort of, it, it leans into, the, like, all right, let's say you were running around in like some beautiful area and you had a dude that was so rich he had planes plural like but yeah fuck it let's go find this guy great right sounds like an adventure you know i get it well yeah and and i also appreciate it because it it kind of um kind of it's kind of sets the scene where you know um bob is incredibly superficial about everything and so it yeah to me to me it was kind of funny being like oh we're gonna go find this guy who doesn't want to be found and he's hunting bears. And then it's like, Oh no, you're going to crash. And now you're being chased by a bear, which this guy hunts and you're never going to see this guy. Well done. Right. The other, the other <laughs> thing that they do, I think that I, that I liked a lot is um, the first thing they think of is, well, they're going to see the note and kind of know where we went off to or where we tried to go off to. And then they'll kind of have a search radius. And then they have the really sheepish Alec Baldwin moment where he pulls out the note because he took the note with him. Yes. And uh, I, I thought that that was interesting because that's not something that I would think of if I was writing this, right? Like if I was David Mamet, I mean, I, that's not something that I would think of uh, ha- like being like, oh, well, yeah. let, let's make yeah. sure that they get the, the, the letter too so they don't even have a search radius. Like that's not the first thing I would think of. Well, right. And, and I also appreciated that because that's one of the many fuck ups that Bob does yeah. where he hinders the it, it's. You know, Bob isn't the only hindrance to how, you know, they're going to survive, but he fucks up plenty of times. And that's the first one where he's like, oh, no, I got the notes. Like, you know, if if you wanted to turn it into a comedy, you could have titled it. Damn it, Bob. What about Bob? <laughs> what about Bob? <laughs> what, the, what, the, what the hell, Bob? <laughs> what about Bart? Bob, what about the bear? Bob Roberts. Um, <laughs> so this so this is Alec Baldwin talking about his character. Uh, in the DVD extras, I, you know they don't go into that much uh, detail, but it is interesting that he's kind of describing his character's personality and uh, that we have that as a resource, I guess. Um, yeah. Bob is someone who's funny and he's lively and he uh, cracks jokes and he's wicked. Charles is suspicious that Bob is up to something beyond adultery. And he voices that, and, and with no real evidence. Mamet tells a story in which everything is to extremes. Charles is not just an intellectual, he's a super intellectual. Charles is not just a gifted man who is successful, he's a billionaire. Mamet has ratcheted it up, all of the elements of the story. These guys don't get stuck in traffic on the San Diego freeway. They get in a plane crash in the middle of the Canadian Rockies. We go as far as we possibly can to ratchet up the drama as high as you can. I'm not an authority on Mamet, but sometimes I think that he writes the things that he writes uh, where people use words almost like fists sometimes. Yeah. Very short and very uh, uh, tight. 
again, there really is a kind of, I guess, a kind of a mammoth uh, key that you have to play the song in. And if you don't, uh, I don't think you're going to get all the juice out of the rhyme that you might. I agree. Yeah, I felt those. Uh, she has uh, an excitement for life. She's very compassionate. She loves her husband very much. The environment, the location um, is wonderful. Uh, it's, 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 it's so, uh, works so well with this film because it's, the, it's kind of the greatness of nature and, and how, how small humans can be. That was a weird edit, but yes, yes, Al McPherson. Uh, That's probably a uh, weird edit on my on my part, but. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's that's fine. It was it's kind of weird that they it's left. It's all your like, fault, Forrest. How could you? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> the, the American India co Indian cosplay uh, that Mickey in, is engaging in in their photo shoot is kind of like whole different time, huh? All right. Well, <laughs> uh, or or it's just that you know these are billionaire. This is like the wife of a billionaire and like a yeah. photographer that's just kind of so delusional. Like you could you could keep it in today and just be like, listen, they're so superficial and delusional. It's so they're out going, of it. Yeah. 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 You, you just you just make people want you know bob to die you're like look look at this guy doing this nonsense he should die <laughs> navajo, navajo bob over here mama canceled bob <laughs> <laughs> no I well, watch, it's almost movie, like i was I hoping watch, i want to watch the movie where alec baldwin and anthony hopkins same characters but they're stuck yeah. in traffic on the San Diego freeway and, <laughs> and, and they have the same reaction because the traffic will not let up. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, Charles, how do we get out of this? Charles, Charles, I need to get, I need to get home. Charles. Charles. He gives Bob the, the, gives Bob the story about you can choose, you, you know, people choose. You want to be die. stuck in traffic. No. Don't you Bob? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they they, they cut off somebody and they're like stalking them through the, through the freeway. Yeah. It's the movie duel. Do. Yeah. Let me hear you, Bob. What one car can do another. Can <laughs> do. <laughs> Amazing. I, I will say that I think it's unfortunate for, for, I was almost hoping by the way, and it's David Mamet writing it so it's not going to happen but that that like somebody an actual native would have been around to, to be like can you tell that extremely attractive woman not to wear my culture as her costume please but that's what uh, they're trying the to find the woods the guy that they're looking for <laughs> that's right he never appears in the movie yeah, yeah, yeah. right <laughs> mr i mean sir not appearing in this film sir not appearing oh. in this film but uh, the I, very I, very last scene like like you see him Chief there not appearing at the, the uh at, at yeah. the cabin when they get back <laughs> oh there it is <laughs> doesn't have yeah. any lines already yeah just like, it, oh, it would have been, been funny if he was standing there anthony hopkins gets off walks over he goes is bob dead and he's like yep and he goes all right <laughs> I, saw the I know what he's trying to do <laughs> I, I think so so last thing for the next there's i think we I, I would like to talk about uh mammoth's very specific uh type of dialogue and and like you know it being like cutting and succinct and short and stuff like that but i also think that one criticism of lobbying at him uh many times over is that he just is not the best at writing female characters uh and you know that's true he's he's, he's a dude's dude there's dudes duding up all the place even when there's female characters in his, in his films they tend to be like atypical like you know tomboyish or like you know what do they call it? mary sue kind of uh, mm -hmm. uh smart asses and whatever um so yeah el mcpherson i think you know does, does a good job playing what's basically you know window dressing 
right? Like yeah. she's, she's basically like a plot point and multiple plot points, if you will, and a very beautiful window dressing. So it's a, it's I a mean, shame because I think she hasn't really had a lot of chance to. Uh, I mean, she's doing fine, but she had a lot of chance to actually like you know be a lead in the film or anything. So I, I think that I think that you pointing that out is really interesting because um, I didn't I didn't put this together, but. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but but uh, David Mamet's daughter was in Girls, and kind of I feel like Girls. Really? Um, huh. Yeah, uh, I think it's Shia Mamet or something. You you like if you look her up, you'll see, you'll have seen her in a whole bunch of different stuff. She was in Mad Men too. She was in like she's been in a lot of. Uh, oh, her! Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't know that that was David Mamet's daughter, but I I think that um, she's awesome. as far as as far as like. Like girls, kind of is is like the the preeminent example of a show, and she was like one of the main. She's in that movie. That, she's in that TV show, The Flight Attendant, as well. Like she's like the responsible sister, and Kelly Kakao is uh, the the fuck up stewardess. Um, yeah, she's great. I've seen her in like she's like a, she's like a, in all kinds of stuff. She's like ran around. She's in. The, I think she's in another Silver Lake actually, which we're, we're going to be doing next month, right? If I remember correctly. Um, um but but I I think that girls is almost like the. Uh, like kind of like the girls, the girls rock kind of like the the kind of toxic side to like white femininity. I think like from what I've seen. Yeah. Of it, um, so it, it's interesting that David <laughs> Mamet kind of is like the opposite of that, right? Like he his his stuff is very uh, bro central and like he doesn't really write um, female characters that well. Like so it's interesting that like those are the projects that they're involved with. <laughs> It's kind of um, over overcorrection or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize that David Mamet was her dad. I, uh, but now, but I can totally see it now. Although, yeah, like, she doesn't look exactly like him. Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a I wouldn't wish that on an enemy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like she she's uh, she's like a oh yeah her like like that kind of actress where she's like all around stuff. And um, I I generally think she's pretty good. But it it is funny. Yeah, Girls is definitely. Um, I, I don't have an interest in having a radicalized opinion on girls, but uh, let's just say I go back and forth with it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't you know. I don't. No, I don't no one's pining for my opinion on either, so it's okay, you know. <laughs> I don't think definitionally it's like a bad show or anything, but like from what I've seen of it, kind of it has the same kind of flaws that I think that you can point to in like in like a dude's yes. rock movie, right? Where you're like, yeah. we're like, oh, maybe this takes some aspects of this a little bit too far. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah it has like, it's, some real blind spots. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, look at who whose show it is, right? You know, who's, yeah, you know, I like to she, pretend that Lena Dun or Lena Dun doesn't doesn't, oh. doesn't exist, but uh, don't say it two more times. She'll appear too. <laughs> God, <laughs> the most insane. It, it's, they actually did show up. <laughs> you're you're evoking the worst ghosts ever. Exactly. God. They're still alive and kicking it. Chris Wall and Lena Dunham both show up and start doing battle on this show. By the way, Amazing. I would I would I would hate watch a rising it's... style show where it was Lena Dunham and Glenn Greenwald co-hosting <laughs> co-hosting a fucking new show. God. I was about to say you're you're evoking the worst ghost. It's could be like the worst version of Christmas Carol ever. Everybody, <laughs> everybody has lessons that don't pertain to anything. Nobody right. knows what they're talking about. You're like, well, I'm glad you said that because it brings us. It brings us. Back Everyone's just still pining about themselves. <laughs> it brings us. It brings us to this movie, right? Like uh, everyone has lessons that don't pertain to anything. We we find out throughout the course of this movie that Charles actually does have lessons. That pertains to being uh, stuck in the wilderness. So, <laughs> well, I think about all right. So, I 
would not call myself a Zack Snyder fan in any way, shape or form. And I was absolutely furious. One of my favorite movies of all time, Dawn of the Dead was being remade by him. But if I took away the fact that it was meant to be a remake and just saw it on its own face, I thought it was an okay movie. And I, and even though there was no explanation for the fast movie, fast moving zombies, like in 28 days later where they're infected people and they're just like, Hey, fat zombies are fast now. Great. Uh, but there's that character. I can't remember the actor's name, but the, the guy that's like their ostensible leader, right? He's just like a regular dude who just is doing regular dude stuff and happens to be a man born for that moment, which I think is an interesting thing that they usually uh, lean into that in films as like, here's the big trope and reveal. And in Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, everybody, like they, they kind of make that just like a small, very quiet and cool moment that I, that I really enjoyed. And in that same way, Anthony Hopkins is his character, you know, Charles, the, 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 the Charles of the Charles, 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 Charles fame. <laughs> Uh, he, Charles. He, he, he's out of, you know, he's, he's a, he's a billionaire guy, but all the other billionaires probably think he's like a, you know, a freak and like, don't like hanging out with him because he's full of like obscure banal minutia and, and like, you quit know, tell, like quit tell me about, yeah. Quit telling me about the rabbits, Charles. God. Yeah, I no, know. I, I'm, I'm just trying to like, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> exploit this resource in this, in this foreign country and brag about how much money I'm just, I'm right. just trying to be a capitalist. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. This Bob, guy's over here. Doing Bob, What's it going to be like when we walk out of the, these woods, Bob? Bob, can you tell me about it? Yes, Charles. We're going to have a rabbit farm. <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to get ten the rabbits. Look am at I the Bob, Am I going to get to ten the? <laughs> Look at the flowers, Charles. <laughs> but yeah, like I have, I have you, and I have you. <laughs> But I think I it's mean, fascinating that like <laughs> that trope of like the oh no this guy is just not good at being around people but he's actually like a pretty like cool guy but like people only care about him because of his wealth and what he has they only care about the things that he has not who he is and I think that that's fascinating because who he is is the only reason why he survives so um it kind of appeals to my cynicism but what I like about no. Charles, well, me, no, I, I love puppies and small children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would never toss either one of them out a window. No. Um, oh! <laughs> not puppies. Yeah. Um, no, I, small children, fuck them. But hey, trip them to the restaurant. Um, no, but basically um, what appeals to me is that technically – Charles as a character is striving for change uh, to change things as he's going about. He really wants to be Bob's friend, which it's, it's a weird kind of earnestness that's mixed with suspicion because he knows Bob doesn't give a shit about him, but he thinks, you know, if I'm really good at making sure we survive and if I make sure Bob survives, he'll be my friend to the point where he gets to the end and he's like, uh, my friends died saving me, which isn't true. You know, he, he definitely carried that load on his own. But um, what is interesting is even as he's trying to get Bob to be his friend, the only reason Bob likes him is because he's useful. He, yeah. he makes sure that yeah. they can survive. And so it's, it's interesting because it's a journey that doesn't surpass the beginning problem for Charles. For me, I don't think Charles as a character technically changes – Maybe he, you know, he gets the thrill of applying what he knows 
But outside yeah, of that, he learns that the random facts in his head actually have a uh, physical utilization. I, I think it's less about like his personality changing than kind of um, being thrown into the field and, learning, and realizing like, oh no, I do. I like I, I can have self confidence because I actually know that um, the things that are like kind of just floating around in my head do have a, a you know a personal right. utilization. Well, he's like a cross between MacGyver and Encyclopedia Brown, and maybe that's not very <laughs> useful in the boardroom. But if you're actually <laughs> stuck in the wilderness, it's at, the whole his world around him changes. I mean, you could set up a is, you could set up is, a, a, a a deadfall in the uh, in the boardroom. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay for, I'll pay for that prestige TV show. The, re sure. the revolution has begun. <laughs> <laughs> We won't tell anybody where it is. We'll just let it play out. Uh, but don't but don't think your tear too far back, Bob. <laughs> but, but, but what's so fascinating about this is like it's the world. It's his environment that changes. Like he's the same guy. He just happens to be in in the time of his maximum utilization, usefulness, and to some degree happiness. Like right. that he's he seems to be, you know, like if you look at the emotional reaction between Charles and Bob. To, to, be, to be like out in this wilderness like bob's like like oh crap oh crap oh crap crap we're gonna die we're gonna die you know and then like charles is, is basically like not necessarily having a good time but he's in his element right yeah and i was gonna say that that's another thing i really like about this movie is um there's there's a sense of delusion for a good bit of it where the only thing that really like like charles is under the delusion that if i'm you know really useful and I help us survive, Bob will be my friend. Bob's under the delusion that, hey, if I get a chance, I'll be able to kill Charles and have his wife, you know, and I'll make it out of here alive. And then, you know, the only moments of real, you know, kind of realness is when the bear shows up because they actually have to confront something. Um, and it, and it's, it's interesting because you kind of see Charles faced with, reality as is bob like you know just you know having to deal with survival and things like that but it doesn't change kind of the story he's telling himself which which we see at the end when as i said you know he's like oh my friends died saving me it's just you know and so it's it's interesting um to me um i think it's a good grasp of the human condition you know we we definitely have things that we tell ourselves uh to make sure that we can get through and it's it's very hard to shake that you know even a bear attack apparently doesn't shake that so. <laughs> and, and well, they, I would say, say, they say that within this right he says i've never known anyone that's actually changed um yeah. and then you know they have the line from bob where he's like yeah he'll be the first like right. I, so it, it is kind of a fascinating i mean i thought about you um watching that part of this movie because we've had our argument where you're like i don't think people really change like you know who they are at yeah. the core of it and i'm like well i think mm -hmm. people can kind of undergo these transformations and stuff so like watching this i almost felt like i was being uh hammered through with the the point you were well, making well you, you can see why it's argument. my favorite movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it it you know it, it confirms my own delusions i can keep you know walking through the woods thinking people are going to be my friends and not push me into a deadfall. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. But, but I mean, I think it's important at the end of it. Like, I think Charles is well aware that like he has two choices here. He could like, he could tell, he could tell the truth or he could tell like the story that, you know, will make people feel if not better about it, like kind of give them something to chew on that isn't something that, 
just doesn't need to be said. Like it's it's an honorable move. It's right. not oh, like yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're, oh, still, yeah. you're still a bro to the end, kind of. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, when when I say it's sense of delusion, I'm just using that in a technical term. I, get it. I don't no, mean I get he's it. yeah. And, and that's the other thing that's interesting though is that um, Charles uses um, the things he goes through mm-hmm. to uh, and, and tells the lie at the end to you know kind of convey the lesson that you know, other people need to learn, but you know, that, you know, I guess didn't pertain to him because I mean, Bob, Bob tried to kill him there in the end. So there's a, the, the sense of a, another betrayal. He didn't really, you know, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, I guess the best way to describe it is he conveys a lesson that's not actually a part of the plot or the story. It's not something that, you know, yeah. he actually learns organically but it's something that he wants to pass on through, you know, the story he created. I mean, I actually think that's a mammoth thing, by the way, that, that happens in his writing, but people honestly, as much as like, look, David Mamet is, is, is worthy of all mockery for his political opinions and whatnot. But the fact of the matter is he's a very smart writer and like, there's a lot of nuance to what he does and people can't get past the fact that like, you know, like, Oh, his ideal female, actress is rebecca pigeon who i like by the way but i get it when people are like all right i, I, I understand i don't want to hear your opinions i understand though uh but like he there's a lot of I'm, again i mentioned earlier look at state and maine right there's a lot of like nuance to it and that is probably one of the more self-aware movies that um that, that mammoth did uh, as far as like his writing goes but it's there it works on a few levels and and, and it's it, there's these nice small moments that that uh he never gets credit for and i'm yeah. look i would probably want to punch the guy out if i hung out with him at a bar <laughs> right but but i mean like game respect game good writing mm-hmm. right and and i think that an interesting thing right if you're looking at this movie as something kind of going on within um and, and i don't think this is what it is but like if you're looking at it as something going on kind of within anthony hopkins like head almost right like this is kind of his character development this is how he realizes like he's i don't think he's changed by the end of it but he's realized kind of confidence and he's realized that like no he does what like the facts that he learns do have a real life impact and like it was almost like the uh a guy version of the ugly girl who goes to the prom and gets like uh, the makeover (laughs) and likes the confidence yeah but but so when if you look at it like that right and if you look at it as if it's kind of uh like the central thing is what's going on within anthony hopkins head throughout this movie um kind of bob uh represents to him i think completely like his insecurity right like these people don't want to actually hang out with you they just and he says these things and like you know you're like oh well that guy's kind of a dick but like you know looking at it in terms of like a, a mental struggle kind of going on through his head throughout the entire movie like he's kind of putting into words um, the things that you have to assume are are within Bob's head, like you know, like or within Charles' head, like oh, like you don't, you don't, your wife doesn't actually like you, you know, that's like the wife that you got right. because, mm-hmm. um, and right. so like when Bob finally like dies, there's a, that is the extended scene where he's like when people, you know, when people see you out about, what do you think that they're thinking, like like that yeah, stuff right. like that, where it's like right, wow, you're just gonna lay it out like that, huh? Great, yeah, like like that, yeah, I was gonna say that big rant in the middle of it where he's you know yelling yeah. at Charles, and he's like. Uh, you make me sick. Uh, that whole thing. That that whole um, rant that you get, you learn more about uh, Bob through that than you do about Charles. He's like no, right. the two things. He's like the two things that that you really that you really care about: Jews and taxes. 
I have not heard Charles say anything about or Charles. more about what's going on within Bob than it does within Charles. We need we need uh, we need uh, uh, Patrick Bateman to show up and uh, simmer down a little bit. <laughs> no, but he's, he's cool it with the anti-Semitism. Well, like, like yeah, the whole, the whole quote, right? Like you money folks, isn't it? Sit up there, drinks and golf, screwing the maid, but get you in an emergency and you bloom. You make me sick, but what puts you off? Jews and taxes. You don't get the feeling that any of that like i don't right. think that, yeah. i don't think that charles has ever played golf Where, like he doesn't feel like a golf <laughs> right player. right i was gonna say the, the interesting projection yeah the interesting <laughs> thing uh i found about that whole break he's definitely not screwing the maid like yeah he, right like, <laughs> right exactly and the thing i found interesting about that entire breakdown is it um it's kind of almost a verbal version of a kind of a personal breakdown for Bob because Bob the whole time up until that point, you know, is being Bob. He's being snide. He's being snarky. Oh, you'd be the first, you know, whatever. And then he just has this massive breakdown and he projects all his, you know, nonsense onto Charles. And what Let I like tell you I'll... something, Bob absolutely kills them on Twitter. Right. So, but what's what I really liked about that is how Charles just doesn't say anything, and he keeps repeating the. I, I think it's the part where he keeps repeating the same question: "Do you know how to, you know, how to start a fire with ice or something like that?" Yeah, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he keeps repeating that question, and then he just stops and he lets Bob have this massive breakdown. His meltdown. I, yeah, his meltdown. Um, Seventy-five tweet thread. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, you know, get, give give him, folks, you know. Let me tell you what I think about them. I was gonna say you you could give him a tiara and he could be on Bridezilla, you know, just having this massive <laughs> right, right. Just, breakdown. And what I liked about that though is it kind of, um, I think the best way to describe this is. And it allows for Bob's character to give up the front so that he can start trying to learn from Charles to survive. So, you know, it, it doesn't really help him because he still relies on Charles all the way up until the end. But, you know, he, he starts to actually try to help cooperate, you know, with, you know, surviving instead of sitting there hoping that Charles, you know, comes, you know, by some fatal accident. <laughs> you know, like a deadfall, perhaps. And um, good use of deadfalls in this film, by the way. Yes. Can, I, can I just throw that out there? Like good use of yeah. deadfalls. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I like the fact that they put the deadfall on the table of the first act, so yeah, yeah. Could, they could fall through it in this third act. And and yeah. I also the, I like this is it. Chekhov's gun store. This whole yes. movie, I mean, <laughs> right? Like, and, like it's all I, over the place. I definitely really like that this movie doesn't really have pretensions about this kind of stuff. Like they can just set it no. up. They set it up like in the first set it up act. And knock like, it down. There you it's go. The deadfall. If you step on it, you know you go through and you get stabbed. And then the third act, you fall through, and it's like there's no like pretension about like oh let's kind of try to hide this or something. Like no, this right. is just right. what's yeah. gonna happen. Like, right. Yeah. Because yeah, that did not happen in Predator. Because because uh, at no point was Schwarzenegger like watch out for the deadfall, and then he uses that later on to capture you know to kill the predator. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's a there's a deadfall. I think that the weight of the I think that the weight of the predator could kill itself. Oh, yeah, the God. thing I like about the deadfall is yeah okay no no, no seems like that exactly with the, with the other classic dudes rock movie predator which at least we had the, the foresight to have a, a female uh, co-host. You money folks isn't it <laughs> sit up there drinks and golf screwing the maid. But <laughs> oh <laughs> man, Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> the Bob role. <laughs> Wow. 
Yeah, at, 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 at that point, Charles would probably be asking more of him, be like, "Hey, can you move these? Can you move this wood, yeah, yeah. please? Maybe." Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just? Why don't you just lift the bear up and slam it into? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can sort this whole thing out. This movie. Listen, gonna I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come running, and I want you to stand right here. When it comes, give it a bear hug, unintended, and throw it on the ground. <laughs> A little different than the fashion world. A little different than snorting the coke off the girl's hip bones. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Of course, if you replace Alec Baldwin with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who would you uh, replace Anthony Hopkins with? Nobody. Anthony Hopkins is perfect. No one. With, actually, the bear. Bart the bear is Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is the bear. Anthony Hopkins. I was gonna say Anthony Hopkins acting as Hannibal Lecter, chasing <laughs> yeah. them, and it's the bad. Yeah, 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 exactly. But he's cosplaying as the he's, got, he's gotten a taste of flesh. Out. He's gotten a taste of flesh with some nice fava beans <laughs> and some Chianti, and he's 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 running through the woods. He's going to get you. <laughs> get this, get this, and I know this is Christina's bit, but uh, all right, sell in everybody. Other people considered for the role of Charles Morse, Robert De Niro. <laughs> hey, bear, you talking to me? <laughs> talking to me? There's no one else here. <laughs> and uh, invoked earlier uh, with Rayman, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. And I think this Dustin is... Hoffman could have done it. But it would it would have it would have hit differently. I think. Yeah. Hit, well, I think yeah. I think Anthony Hopkins is kind of perfect for this role. And thinking about this movie kind of as a transformational journey through the mind of Anthony Hopkins or something like that, right? Like his character development at the center of it, he absolutely yeah. kills it. But I but I do see um, a very different movie with uh, Dustin Hoffman. Right. In that role. Gets who uh, also considered for the role of Robert Green, Ray Liotta. <laughs> Think about it. Hey, Think about it. Me. We work together, good fellows. <laughs> Dude, I'm part of a, a Scorsese uh eyebrow posting. That's the name of the group on Facebook. Yeah, yeah and yeah. like most of the jokes are just like Ray Loyota like desperately trying to get Scorsese's attention to and him just being like, yeah. no. <laughs> so I, ever, I, since, ever since I or ever, like ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a bear. <laughs> I mean, I like Ray Liotta, but but like wrong type of dude for that role. Yeah, like big time. Um, also, Richard Gere, Richard Gere up for the role of Bob as well. No, that would have worked. That would have worked. Different yeah. movie, but it would have worked. Yeah, Richard no, no. Richard Gere and Dustin Hoffman, I think, would have been an interesting pair. Two yeah. silver foxes. Uh, the, the the edge was with Dustin Hoffman and Richard Gere. Yeah, exactly. That would have been a, and then also the la the last one considered for the role of Bob, John Travolta. <laughs> just see him like John, the bear shows John, up. He's just like stuck in the woods. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> I I the, the this is the worst possible um, version of this movie. Donald Trump as Charles as that bear. Oh, 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 oh God. <laughs> there's there's a and bear. Hillary Clinton as Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I didn't I didn't go far enough. And someone else uh, uh, for the role of Charles Morris, Michael Caine. Michael Caine was considered for uh, Charles Morris. He's a he's a different kind of different British type guy. of act. 
He's a different kind of he's, he's a different kind of different kind of Brit. He, he, has, he has good dentists. Although oh, is it different enjoy, kind of like me? <laughs> I did enjoy uh, Michael Caine's famous um, hunting without hunting. Uh, you know, documentary. No, you know, acting without acting. That was his no, famous. No. Uh, I acknowledge yeah. the reference. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, no. He's like, I, he's like, I, I acknowledge it, but I'll take it. But like, further. would he, would uh, Michael Caine do his regular accent, or, or would he actually switch it up and? Do like a more like upper class British accent, like like yeah, Anthony Hopkins has, because because the thing is, is like like Michael Caine has sure, that Anthony Hopkins. Totally Hopkins. English accent. On his name. You know, yeah. they'll, um, you know, there's a lot more, you know, vulnerable, you know, like like relatability because he's he's more, you know, uh, like that. And Anthony Hopkins is, you know, a lot more like like that that uh, refined sounding, refined, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. almost yeah. Like, almost mid Atlantic, yeah. So so so. By the way, by the way, you, know, you would change that character very much by having him have that that uh, you know that lower class accent, um, you know, that That's make true. him not like uh like like the character of of uh that, that we saw in the movie, but it'd be more like you know a, a Donald Trump in a way, where he'd probably be like an outsider among uh the elite, uh, yeah, you know, a different elite. kind of outsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so so uh, I, I just you know. That that would be actually very interesting to see. Interesting. Like, how would they do that? By the way, I should I should say that the second half of the Bobby Wine interview with Anthony Hopkins, because remember this is 1997, um, right. is uh, I guess it's a week before their interview is done. A week before um, Princess Diana's funeral, and she's asking oh, a wow. bunch of questions about Princess Diana's funeral, and because whether because he's uh, he has sir in his title if he's expected to go. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, you have to answer to that. It, like, exactly. You have to answer to all the next, royal next family like questions. minutes are her rapid-fire answering questions, Amazing. like asking questions about Princess Diana that have nothing to do with the edge. Yeah, what a legend. <laughs> what a legend. Just of like, course, I'm going to talk about whatever I want, whenever I want to, and how I want to. Princess Diana killed it as the bear, I think, but she didn't ask about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uncredited role. Up there with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, before the bear killed the, um, before the bear killed Steven and killed Princess Diana. No. <laughs> and they were in their car. That's what the bear would do to you if it was just you. No. <laughs> do you want to do the uh, letterbox one-liners, though? We're trying to keep these down to less than two hours, so... Uh, you're you're acting like I'm going prolonging it, but sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For us. I would love to do letterbox one-liners for uh, now for the role of letterbox one-liners. Do you want me to read a list of actors that you know we, we were yeah, yeah, exactly. about? Um, uh, Christina I mean, was going to do it. Uh, I was going to say if Ray Liotta's up for it, let him do it. <laughs> I want think to about hear this. that. Pass. Think about this, Jank from Tyt replacing Conan. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Different, different, different flex, but I can see it. Uh, of course, yes. Everybody, as everybody knows, uh, Letterbox, place for film, open source democracy, social media site for film lovers, film livers, film lovers to talk lovers. at with, with a nice and baba beans <laughs> <laughs> and a nice Keontae. <laughs> Wrote a song about that on Arter Murder, the uh, record about Hannibal Lecter, but that's a different thing entirely. That we'll save that for the plugs. The Letterbox community is a bunch of film lovers talking about movies they love, movies they didn't love, movies they were baffled by, movies they wanted to opine about. And of course, that is best represented uh, for this bit at least in the classic working on your tight five one liner review. These are the Letterbox one liners for The Edge. Forrest, let's go. Bart the Bear, most captivating role. Never has Bart left me in such suspense and anxiety. 
Bartha Bear's talent should be studied by the next generation of animal actors. Also, Anthony Hopkins killing a bear looks all too easy. Does it though? He really, I mean, it looks he accidental. Some shit to kill that bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree, Bartha Bear. Bartha Bear was robbed that year from the Oscars, though. <laughs> the animal also, Oscars. Also, they didn't have uh, the bear from The Revenant up against Leonardo DiCaprio, and that, that <laughs> kind of feels sus to me. But that's uh, Hollywood for you. It's about who's in and who's out. Bart the bear was cute, pouncing on the tree log. He he. Let's see <laughs> how many times get Alec Baldwin say Charles a lot. And man, I tell you, it got annoying. Charles, yeah, it's, Charles. it's almost like watching the old Charles, Charlie Charles. The unicorn bets. Remember that? Oh, one? It's like, Charlie. No. <laughs> no. That ruined my middle school. Junior high years, everybody's Charlie, saying it over and over. I wanted to. Charlie, that, that, that's where I. That's, that's I started hating the masses because everybody was doing that. I'll go back to that. <laughs> the original trauma. That's like Forrest Gump being released the same year I was born. Oh God! <laughs> My whole life, every old guy just is like, "Hey, has anyone ever told you before? Run, Forrest, run! I bet no one's told you that before. Yeah, like, no one's yeah, ever said you're, that. Uh, yeah, you're the yeah. first, you motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope he's I got hope the whole they... world in his hands. Like, if I had a nickel for any time an old guy said that to me, I'd, <laughs> I'd be. Funny. I hope the nurse at your nursing home. I have a flying. Fuck up, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Neither of my grandpas ever did that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think it's, I'm kidding. He's dead. They <laughs> are. They are both dead. But you know, at first. I wasn't sure if this was going to be about the boys, but it is by God. It is about the boys. <laughs> I like, I like movies about the boys that have some personal growth. I'm not going to lie. I do. You know, it's not just dudes rock and they're hanging out. They have some, by the end of it, you feel like you've, you've learned, you've learned a lesson too. One of the boys has to die. <laughs> but it, it's the and law. We get there's no yeah, exactly. <laughs> if there's growth, no one has to die. But that, that's the uh that's the, the gift of the Maggie there. You're just trying to get the, the growth out there before one of the boys <laughs> has to die. And if it doesn't happen, exactly. it doesn't happen. Exactly. Is this the best movie on earth? No. But also, yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> it's perfect. It's definitely the movie that says Charles the most. Someone get Bart the Bear a fucking Oscar. He killed Sorry, it. Uh, just take just take the one that Will Smith lost. Keep it topical. Okay, but but replace Chris Rock with Bart the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> replace Will Smith with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> by, by the way, talking about uh, great great ones dying young. This is one of Bart the Bear's final acting roles before his death on May tenth, two thousand, at the age of twenty three. Far too young. Far too young. R.I.P. Bart the Bear, you magnificent bastard. How are you planning to kill me? It's Alec Baldwin. He's going to kill you with a gun. <laughs> I, I like how the trailer, though, worked up to that. Because you see him with the spear, you see him with the knife, and it's like, that's not Alec Baldwin's style. And at the end of the trailer is the gun, and you're like, that's that Alec Baldwin shit that I know about. Oh, yeah, yeah that's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> no, I yeah, didn't I recognize him until he had the gun. Yeah, once he had the gun Lemon. in his hands, I knew he was. Liz Lemon, I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know which Baldwin it was. <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Bear. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Solid. The key to wilderness survival is a billionaire mindset. <laughs> Charles, Charles, 
Hashtag hustle culture, Charles. <laughs> hustle culture. <laughs> Extra star for frequent use of motherfucker. Yes, dude. I I was hyped up when fucking Charles turns around and goes, "I'm going to kill the motherfucker." And it's like, no, that was a, yeah, that you was are. Anyway. Fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah, fucking get some. Yeah, I was gonna... I was personally moved by the whole uh, what one man could do, another could do speech. I felt motivated. And I think that it should be turned into some kind of uh, YouTube talk where, you or, know, or, uh, <laughs> you know, hear me out, hear me out. We can make it a, um, uh, you know, like a Bitcoin. The edge NFT. Alec Baldwin says the name Charles 87 times with each one more annoying than the one before. Plus a bear gets a bad case of heartburn from eating steak. <laughs> and they fucking eat the bear. And they eat the bear. They do eat the bear. You know, Anthony Hopkins slipped a disc during making this movie. Isn't that crazy? I'm not surprised. And uh, and <laughs> I I didn't I didn't include this uh, clip, but there was a a thing where I guess Alec Baldwin convinced him in the woods to uh to to stop filming and actually get like his you know his disc looked at. <laughs> Just two guys being dudes. And. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alec Baldwin claims that Anthony Hopkins is his favorite actor. I just, I wanted, since I, I, mean, since I referenced that clip, you know? Hey, hey. Uh, those are Letterboxd one-liners for The Edge. Uh, you can find uh, Forrest on Letterboxd uh, for, under Move Next Extravaganza. Just That's ruining the show's brand. <laughs> just, just having controversial opinions and everything it's crazy uh, i of course am kona neutron uh, you can find me on there as well uh jay andrew world is on there also and uh doing watching whatever he's up to i mean he's, he's yeah, he's yeah. i'm always there. watching something weird uh, and all those words are true uh, <laughs> and, and uh charlie uh of course our, our featured guest charles. for tonight's show charles, charles. <laughs> he's charles. Charles, no. he's on. He's on there. He calls his shots like a sniper, but he's 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 on yes. there. And uh, of course, um, I'm I'm either gonna pan a movie everybody likes, or I'm gonna like a movie everybody dislikes. There you go. There you or go. I'm just gonna be really mean. And the, so those are Letterbox one liners. That's a bit we do every every week for this show. Andrew World, take it away. Edging with the bear. Let's go. Yes. All right. If you're watching us right now on Twitch, please subscribe if you can. Uh, if you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. That helps us out. We thank you very much for doing that. If you're over on the YouTube, um, uh, make sure you, you hit the like button, subscribe, hit that bell um, like, like a bear's going to get you. Um, you know, and uh, of course, uh, uh, watch the video to the very end because that that really that does allow other movie fans to find our videos. Um, we do I feel like that's the hardest ask that you give of people for this bit. I know, I know. But you got such a dope song. <laughs> you can always so. though. You can always mute it, leave it on. Yeah, exactly. just mute it. You, know. you don't want to hear it. <laughs> Play it while you slumber. Yeah, that's what I do for Ben's videos. <laughs> no, um, but uh, yeah, uh, and, and we have a Patreon. Um, if if you really want to help us out that way, uh, with Patreon, yeah. we're going to get you extra stuff. Uh, like extra videos, uh, such as our after parties. Uh, do we know when our next after party is? Um, I mean, I think in the in the near Today. future we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do one where it's literally just an after party, not for a movie where we talk. Yeah, not really. just its own thing. I, I think we're gonna do. I think we're probably gonna do one on Thursday. Uh, I think okay. it would be disingenuous not to. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, we, I think that's I, a good. I, I mean, we didn't really talk about it. I was. 
real busy trying to get a normal sleep schedule again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but and yeah, by the way, well, we are now making over hey, $50. Hey. Maybe we can invite a woman on, the, on an after party, right? Hey, dudes rock! <laughs> Yo, why is every fucking movie night extravaganza after party a sausage fest? <laughs> it really isn't, though. It is, no, that's God. what's funny is it totally isn't. But yeah, yeah. But this, this panel is... <laughs> Oh, what is this? What 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 am I watching? A fucking sausage vest. This what I'm watching. That's what you get with the edge. Yeah, you know Jenna Fisher of the Office. Jenna Fisher of of Office fame. One of her favorite movies. She watches it regularly. There you go. I'm that Charlie. Yeah, you you got an end maybe. I don't know. I think she's married, but. <laughs> that's never stopped me before. Whoa, hey. <laughs> that's, never, that's never stopped me before, Charles. <laughs> Andy, what else? We got? Like, we're not doing the Discord. Yeah, I guess we got a Reddit, right? Like, yeah, well, we got we got a Discord, but I don't know what's going on with it. I think I think we're letting people in. <laughs> I think some outfit. Oh yeah, something's happening. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I set it up because I thought we were going to do something with it, and then like nobody ever answered any of my questions about what we're doing. I mean, I'd, I'd, uh, like, to set like, up, I'd like to set up what like movie watches soon, but I, I'm sick and like you know, I mean, it's yeah, been a, yeah. A, a boom and, time. and like they're just, I got to take time to actually learn what I'm doing on there. Um, so 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 there is that aspect. All right. So watch Andy learn in real time on Discord.com. <laughs> yeah. Whenever Go to the Reddit. Down. There's at least like you can discuss the movies and stuff like that. That's that's the thing we seem to be doing. There's a fucking Reddit over here. Fucking Reddit. Hey. Fucking <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> uh i just i i gotta is, is that it andy do you have anything else i think i think i hit everything just you know like a follow our social media and you know uh find charles too on um uh his uh rc wise hack and and uh what what is the thing you're right now uh, your sub stack? Uh, the new, uh, the new yeah sub there's a yeah the sub stack which is called ferrokia anime yeah that's right um, there you go. yeah um <laughs> Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be writing for Sublation Magazine, uh, which I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you guys to launch that. Um, it's awesome. Gene, yeah. Gene is like a big part of, uh, you know, friend of show and fellow Dune yeah. fan. Yeah, it's a Dune yeah. historian, Gene Bajalan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he was my friend until he's like, hey, this article, I have some edits for you. It's like, ah, hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship with Gene Bajalan is in one friend. Uh, there's I, I I was looking for something else when I found this piece of banal minutia. I'm I am going to throw it in because it would I would be disingenuous not to. But yeah, this movie inspired a highly successful television reality show of the same name in Brazil, where participants were selected from normal people, including executives, graduates, and clerks, left in a wild and deserted area of Brazilian landscape, and had to survive using techniques similar to the ones mentioned by Charles Morse. Hey, you know who lives in Brazil? Glenn Gary, Glenn Greenwald. We have something for you to do. No access to social media. This is for everybody. This isn't just um, for you, but you'll win millions. It's going to be aces. <laughs> I have uh, I have one more clip to play. Um, this is... Uh, I, there was one clip of David Mamet talking about this movie. Um, so hold on, I'm going to fast forward to it because it's otherwise it's like a four minute clip. I'm not trying to listen to the director talk about the movie, but yeah, uh, I'd, I'd rather see what Elton McPherson has to say, frankly. <laughs> this is this is a young David Mamet, and uh, and then I'll jump to 
to final thoughts for everybody, but look how young he looks, you know? He does. To write, and if one's writing, well, it is an adventure. You know, because you're making up a story, and you're, you're participating in a story, and you get to, uh, to uh, mold it, and to get to redo it, just like the stories that we tell ourselves when we're walking down the street. You know, wouldn't it be great if? So writing is, is no different. It's just, it's just writing down those fantasies. So if you're doing it well, it's just as enjoyable as those fantasies of love, success, revenge, courage that we have when we're, when we're walking down the street. It's very easy to, um, as often happens when people get lost in the woods, they start mistrusting their compass because they get pan they literally panic. And the term panic is an old uh, ancient term, and it means invested with the god Pan, who is the god of the woods. And it means you've, you, when you get panicked, you venture into Pan's domain, and the god strikes you back by driving you a little bit insane. And when it happens to you in the woods, it's, it's the real thing. It's no joke. And uh, there are certain circumstances in, in which one either has to confront it and overcome it or die. And so that's what this movie is about. And scene. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about writing fantasies, man. Like the fantasy that somebody could be a Republican. <laughs> but you know what? You know what else? He Love, wrote, success, uh, and happiness sounds like a Republican. <laughs> you, you know what else he wrote this year? A Spanish prisoner. Really good. Wag the dog. Wag the dog, which I think we're going to cover on uh, election month, whatever that is, which is not going to be election month. Um, yeah, because I was just kind of like, I was curious as uh, what the timeline was for that. Yeah, so there you go. That's that's and more Ronan came right out. Ronan, oh, right after right. this movie, which I yep. love. Ronan, that's that's my favorite Mammoth film. Ronan's good. People are talking about it more and more. Says something about me though. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So starting with good old Charles, Charles, Charles. Um, <laughs> you know, final wow. thoughts. I mean, you final you thoughts. suggested this movie. It's like one of your favorite movies. I can. It's, I mean, it's I can the see why. It's yes. uh, it's a celebration of, of thinking and and billionaire That's all I thinking. Do. <laughs> yeah, you know me. I'm secretly a billionaire. This house. Yeah, yeah you're slumming it, slumming it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this is me just hiding it. I'm like, oh, I'm not a billionaire. Look at this house, so small. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. So this movie is my favorite movie, um, and the reason is for a lot of the things we've already talked about. Um, I enjoy you, movies. Put it on. Uh, these are bad movies, and they 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 panned it, right? Um, they're not smart enough to pan it, but yeah, they tried. Yeah, I'm starting beef. I don't care. <laughs> I, th I think those fires just finally went out too. But there we go. It doesn't right. matter. They're still in the back of the Arby's searching through trash. <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> no, but I I just say that to you know this isn't the first podcast that you've. Uh, talk uh, about I, I know. Attempted I know. to talk about this film and been talked to I, over by other people. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I attempted to talk about it on the other one too, but nevertheless. That's the um, joke. Anyway. You wanted a dude rock audience. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. No chicks allowed. We 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 took your, your edict. No women in this it. place. <laughs> Charles, only, only men. No. Charles, you uh, really think a, a woman a woman like that would, 
would you know you have a private plane charles <laughs> please continue 30 seconds uninterrupted go <sighs> okay well besides you know for example uh usually i prefer movies with real good character development and um really good dialogue tend to be the things that i prefer um so pretty much most tarantino movies are pretty good for me but the thing i like about this the most and people who read my reviews of movies and, and books and whatnot will know this is that i i approach fiction like it's an ecosystem long story short there's a bunch of different things going on dialogue characters setting plot and you know the, it's an ecosystem because it all has to work together as an expression of art and i find this movie to be really balanced um for me you know it's got it's got good dialogue it's got good characters um, the attention to detail and the setting, like uh, uh, Forrest was saying, uh, Chekhov's gun uh, definitely rules this film. Conan which, actually I, said that. I'll give him uh, that. Was Conan, me. That was I'm me. I'm sorry. Uh, a point of order. Yeah. <laughs> Chekhov's gun. <laughs> <child>. <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah. That's that's how I Baldwin go off in the director's face. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's how that's how Baldwin killed him in the end. He's like, oh, exactly. Back off, gun. Thought it was a metaphor. <laughs> a literal gun. This is real. No, um, but yeah, and so which I appreciate. Um, I I appreciate show uh, movies that are uh, efficient with um, what they have going on. Um, and so, you know, and what I also like, um, and this is just my very critical opinion because usually I'm panning things I'm, I'm a very stingy yeah a very stingy reviewer but um it's the what, edge and weirdly enough titanic those are your t- <laughs> <laughs> wow. if i <laughs> hate speech uh, on this I, show i, I can't i can't it. yeah i was gonna say <laughs> never thought i'd see the day if sad ruin ruin my reputation why won't you no um Anyway, but basically, um, what I really like about this is I find the plot to be almost austere. It's almost simple. You know, it's going into the woods, surviving, and one of them comes out. And I, th- and for me, it's a rule that in film or in fiction in general, simple plots are the best because they allow for the development of everything else. And so, those are those are my final thoughts. My final interrupted thoughts, Boris. You've Bro interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> Just start passing off. Be like, I didn't say that. Conan said that. <laughs> I, I thought you said Bear interrupted at first too. Bear interrupted. It should be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was talking, and then you know, a bear just showed up. I had to sharp my sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Angelina Jolie in a role you will not believe. You, you know, I actually had uh, had a phone call uh, once from um, Gene Shalit, and he, he calls me up and. Uh, I was working at this store, and I, I told him I, I was real busy, but I kind of called him back. So I called him back, and he, he managed to take care of the problem. Um, and, and he's like, Andy, well, I got you on the phone. Can, can you do me a favor? The bear's been going through my trash again. Can you show up to my house with a pointy stick? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Are those your final thoughts, Andy? No. No, that's just my Gene Challenge story. Oh, okay. All right. Did, did you often have to fight off animals for him? Uh, only that one time it was, uh, but I truly would call it bear interrupted. Fair. <laughs> I would call the show bear interrupted, but hey, all right, Andy, let's time. hear these. Let's hear these fucking. <laughs> let's hear these fucking final thoughts. Look, I'm before Conan for once. 
wild. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess so, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, it's usually crazy this season. Yeah, it's okay. It's good. We're mixing things up. I, I was ready. I, I, no, exactly. I, I was always going to say that uh, I always thought that Chukov's gun was going to be a phaser, uh, but uh, there we go. Uh, what you <laughs> Good thing I'm not wearing a uh, red shirt. Yes, I would be. No, um, th this was actually kind of fun to watch because because it really was um, uh, David Bannett's uh, Predator. It's like Predator for for um, <laughs> uh, uh, for for smart people in a way. Like, like uh, you, you know, because like Predator is not uh, not necessarily a smart movie, but it, it works on every I'll, level. It's an absolute it. classic. Um, and uh, this, but this also really does have that, that Pretty in Pink vibe too. Where uh, why are you drinking while bringing up Pretty in Pink? <laughs> um, where, where, why are you bringing up Pretty in Pink? Because because <laughs> truly, um, you know, going into the woods was like the makeover that uh, that, that that Charles needed to realize that he really was always the pretty girl. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. There it is, folks. There it is. Andy World, everybody. Yes. So the yeah. internet's own. There you Andy have World. it. Conan. Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to find the video at the same time. We're all we're all hanging out. Look, uh, yeah, I know. I got things to do too. Uh, God, so I so think <laughs> no, I'm trying to I wanted to I wanted to close this out. Pay attention certain, to me, Forrest Scott. No. I wanted to, I wanted to close this episode out with a certain video instead of doing my own final thoughts. That's fine. Do you have no final uh, thoughts? <laughs> I think I articulated it probably a little better earlier on. I think this is a, a great uh this is a great nuanced script that was executed very well in this film that I was just otherwise unaware of. I think Anthony Hopkins, uh, Charles character is, is very interesting. And I think it's fascinating. You get to see him like be the thing that, uh, you know, be the same person, but have his, his situation change and have him like kind of uniquely come into his own. Uh, there are tropes here that I, that, that I don't love, you know, the, uh, the culture as costume is a bummer. No matter how beautiful the woman is, it's on it. Not having, giving a beautiful woman anything to do other than be a beautiful woman kind of bums me out. Killing the black dude early on kind of blows, but uh, ultimately I, I thought this was an enjoyable movie. Look, I mean, the 90s were the 90s, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I, I didn't quite know what to expect, but this is up. This is definitely up there in the pantheon of uh, people v. Bears, uh, you know, the, the, the classic Supreme Court case that everybody refers <laughs> to all the time. Uh, and I think that it was uh, very well directed, very well acted. As much as like some of the stuff, I mean, some some of the the, the plot points of this movie flown ahead that that, that they're going to be happening, right? But there are some genuine surprises, and it's how they get there that's interesting. And that's one of the things I like most about David Mamet's writing. Uh, and I think that um, it, it it's a shame that he just seems bound and determined to decimate his legacy, and he's doing a fantastic job of it. But I still like his writing, and I and I think that uh, it doesn't. It doesn't color it for me in the same way that, like I said, I probably want to curb stomp James Elroy if I met him in real life. But like, you know, he's a freaking great writer. Right. So uh, and it's amazing to me that there was there was this movie and he did State of Maine shortly afterwards, which is an incredible dark comedy. And this is probably like, you know, one of the least funny movies I, I, I can think of. But it's it's the it's just up to <clears throat> the edge of what I like about, you know, dudes being dude movies and there's always a self-awareness to it there's also is a celebration of it which i think that you can't talk about celebrating masculine uh masculine identity without talking about idiots 
idiots, fakers, and charlatans. And there is something to be said for it. I wish that somebody, I'm not going to do it. I'm busy doing other things, could figure out a way to discuss it in a clear and cogent manner that doesn't celebrate uh, assholes and idiots. And at one point, I thought that was going to be David Mamet, and then the Bush administration happened. So, whoops. But I like The Edge. I think The Edge is a good movie, and I would never have watched it if it hadn't been suggested. But I was fascinated by the fact that Charles liked something. <laughs> Charles, Charles. I, I, I can't like anything for the rest of this year. I, 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 just, I was like, I want to hear what, it like, what it's like when this dude likes something. Cool. Let's 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 lean into that. And it, it didn't disappoint, honestly. Like, I, 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 I just I, really I, like bears. No, no. Yeah, I'm just a big bear fan. Uh, I think that for me... I always would rather hear people opine about things they love than tear apart things that they dislike. That's that that's me. I am I am I am a unique iconoclast of that of that type and style. But I think that uh, this is this has been an interesting movie, and I, I'm glad that we covered it. And also, talk to your doctor about erectile dysfunction. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that aimed at, Forrest? <laughs> Was reptile dysfunction? Reptile dysfunction. <laughs> Reptile dysfunction. That was an anaconda. What? What? Uh... <laughs> no, I don't know. He thinks we're talking about snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I just that's a different banner than we have. <laughs> Are we trying to get a sponsor? What's happening here? Like, you know, like, yeah, well, I just, yeah, I go on I one mean, tour and I come back. And Bob Dole is dead. Who's advertising yeah. Viagra right. to the masses? God. <laughs> Thank you, Jay Hutch. Appreciate you. All right. Is that is that the end of your final thoughts? Because I am going to pass my final thoughts onto a video, a, a classic yeah. video. Really, perhaps Anthony Hopkins' best role that he's ever that he's ever played. 